Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. Lawmakers, consumer advocates, independent experts, and regulators are pushing the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission to revisit the competitive power markets that dominate the U.S. electricity system. Right now, those markets and the power system in general are under a lot of stress from extreme weather events worsened by climate change as the grid transitions off fossil fuels, and that's led to reliability issues over the years across several different regions. Moving forward, things aren't looking up either. Projections are showing that multiple regions could face real power crises in the coming years. So what's wrong with the competitive power market system as it is, and are there solutions? Politico's Catherine Morehouse discusses those questions and more. It's Wednesday, June 21st. I think the first important thing to note with competitive power markets is that they are compared to traditional monopoly, vertically integrated monopoly utility system. They are a fairly new construct that developed amid the mid 90s and early 2000s. What we're looking at now, about 20 years later, is those systems and the power system as a whole is really under unprecedented stress. We're looking at completely shifting the way that electricity is generated increasingly through, you know, smaller decentralized resources like wind and solar and battery storage versus large fossil fuel plants. And we're also planning to add a lot more demand onto the system as we electrify homes and vehicles. And then amid this entire transformation, we're also seeing unprecedented weather conditions, extreme cold and heat, and that's putting a tremendous amount of stress on the grid systems. And so given all these pressures, we've seen a lot of serious reliability events in the last several years, including blackouts in California and Texas, which are both in kind of these newer competitive market models, really tight conditions also within power markets like the Mid-Continent Independent System Operator, the New England Independent System Operator, and the PJM Interconnection. And so we've seen in all of these places both real-time concerns where power markets are warning that there is just barely enough supply to meet demand, and also long-term and seasonal projections where we're hearing, you know, some of these regions could face real crises in the coming years if some of these challenges aren't mitigated. And so in response, these newer market constructs, again, are facing some questions from primarily Republican lawmakers and regulators who are questioning whether that system is is the best way if that essentially if that experiment worked, are these systems the best way to keep the lights on and keep costs low? Or is this older model of vertically integrated state regulated utilities better? One argument just kind of in favor of that perspective that Commissioner James Danley made is that there is a bit of an erosion of responsibility within RTOs within these competitive markets because the responsibility over transmission and generation and reliability and scheduling and all that is split up. So when the lights go out, it's less clear who to blame versus the monopoly structure where you can point directly to the utility that owns the poles and the wires and the generation and say, you know, you're the one who messed up here. Interesting. And you covered a recent forum hosted by FERC focused on the nation's largest power market that you mentioned, PJM. So what sort of challenges is PJM facing in particular and how is it responding to complaints about its performance? Yeah, so PJM, like you mentioned, largest U.S. power market, and it stretches from Chicago to the mid-Atlantic. And regulators and generators within its region all agree that there are problems with the power system and with even within PJM's rules right now. But they say 
those rules are not necessarily specific to the competitive market structure. They say there are major problems with gas electric coordination, for instance. You know, originally gas and electric markets operated separately, so they have different rules and different schedules. And a lot of those discrepancies are becoming a bigger problem as gas makes up a growing share of the power mix. So that's one problem. Weatherization also continues to be a huge problem. FERC and the North American Electric Reliability Corporation have repeatedly found that utilities are not making the investments in power plants that are necessary in order to ensure they can stay running when temperatures drop. So those are some of the problems that PJM and those who work within and regulate within the market say are more relevant than kind of the core of the market structure themselves. People do say, you know, that these markets need to evolve, but they don't agree with some Republican questions of whether we should actually do away with those markets altogether. Got it. And even the utility monopolies in the Southeast haven't been immune to reliability problems, right? So why is that? Right. And I think that's one thing that really kind of bolsters the point that some of these folks in PJM made. So, for example, during this past winter storm, like I said, PJM faced really tight grid conditions. It lost more than a quarter of its power plants, but the light stayed on and it was able to provide reliable power to people. But in the Southeast, on the other hand, where there is no organized market and conceivably by Commissioner Danley's definition, utilities are held to, um, you know, a higher responsibility. We saw rolling blackouts. And based on what we know about those blackouts, a lot of the problems were, again, attributed to the gas system or to power plants unable to produce electricity because they weren't well enough insulated for extreme cold. You know, when you look at what actually is kind of creates these blackouts and these reliability events, it seems to be something that is kind of uniform across the entire power system rather within kind of one form of the system. Right. And so with that said, I mean, what sort of solutions have been proposed? Is there structural reforms that that are being proposed or is it more kind of within the structures that we know there are improvements that could be made? That's a great question. And I think that's the question that regulators are hoping to answer in the coming years. And I think, unfortunately, there isn't yet a super obvious solution. You know, depending on where you sit and kind of what market you're making money in, there are some advantages and disadvantages to both structures. And there is I think more evidence that's needed and more research and more that's needed to really understand, you know, whether the monopoly structure or the competitive structure is ultimately better for customers, better for reliability and can handle the clean energy transition and make sure that, again, the lights stay on and power bills stay affordable. Also, on Tuesday, a federal court struck down an EPA rule banning the use of disposable containers for transporting hydrofluorocarbons, or HFCs, the potent greenhouse gas used as a refrigerant. Although the ruling from the D.C. Circuit of Appeals leaves in place the broader regulation that aims to significantly phase down HFC use, the Biden administration had argued the disposable cylinder ban was crucial to catching illegal imports. Remember, back in 2021, EPA issued a broad regulation creating a cap-and-trade framework to phase down HFC use by 85% over 15 years. That regulation was in response to Congress's passage of the American Innovation and Manufacturing Act in 2020. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com power switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow.
Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron is striving to lead the way in the energy transition. They're working to deploy carbon capture and producing renewable fuels, developing multiple solutions today while forging new paths to the future. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash energy in progress.